construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. All right. Well, welcome to another Flagstick Podcast presented by TaylorMade Golf Canada, introducing Stealth with Carbon Face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. To learn more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Well, we're back at it again, Scott, for another episode, episode three, three times a charm, I guess, right? Or three's a crowd. Um, I don't know if that really fits, but, uh, you know, the only thing that would have made this weekend, I think, a little bit better. Uh, oh, and welcome, li- welcome listeners, welcome viewers. Uh, um, glad you could join us again. It's going to be a great show. Um, but the only thing that could have made this weekend better as far as the Masters was going on stuff, and we will get into that discussion, but not just yet is uh um if the weather had been a little bit more spring-like mm. <laughs> you know without the snow um you know just that you kind of feel like okay the masters is here we got all these course openings we're seeing the stuff propagating on our website with the course opening calendar and then we get some snow and slushy stuff and you know, it's just uh. <laughs> you 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 got it. We were okay down here. Right, um, well, but you're you're right. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Masters obviously for a lot of people is a sign of spring, a sign of the golf season coming, and so forth. But I don't think it stopped a lot of people. There was definitely people that were out golfing in the region. Yeah. There were courses open, ranges that were open. Uh, but you're right; it didn't have that sort of same feel. You know, uh, and it's not just the golf, too. It's the case of getting out in the yard and doing some things outside the house. Yeah. But, you know, you open the door and all of a sudden a cold wind comes through and it's four <laughs> it's degrees like, and you're like, what is eh, happening? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the couch. I don't think I'm really going to go for a, a walk or anything, but uh, at least we had the masters to, to watch and to, to keep us company for sure. To comfort us and warm us up on the, yes. the, the weekend. Yeah, it was. Although it was they were pretty crazy. cold down there on Saturday, too. So. Yeah, it was kind of funny to see that such a difference in um, just we're, we're jumping ahead to something that we really we want are. to get into in the front nine this week. But uh, um, so let's you know what, let's let's just jump in. We got we do have a lot to, to get over. There's lots. Once again, there's no shortage of, um, of great topics to dive into this week. Obviously, we're going to wrap up the Masters. We're going to talk about that because there was a lot of different storylines, a lot of excitement going on uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sports betting and in particular sports betting on golf, uh, something that relates to the web poll we have on flagstick.com right now. Interesting results there. Uh, some more regional national golf talk, of course. And uh, in our product watch uh, this week, a little bit more about a discussion of the evolution of a product. Plus, we're going to dive into uh, uh, one of the more popular golf carts uh, that are out there right now. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, of course, we're going to head to the lesson tee with Kevin Hayne. We're going to get a little bit more instruction, more help for our golf game. Um, you know, all that uh, all that's coming up uh, throughout the, uh, the, how, the whole show. Uh, so let's get right into the front nine presented, obviously, once again, by Metcalf Golf Club, a natural setting, a present challenge, looking for fun golf at a great rate, save 15% when you prepay, visit MetcalfGolf.com to book or to buy those prepaid passes. Okay, Scott, um, let's get the first little tidbit out of the way. Uh, we can't, we're not going to talk about this every single episode because the closer we get to the opening of the season, obviously the less discussion we're going to be having about course openings because right. everybody will be open. But, um, you know, given the weather this weekend and, and I know that there's, I just, 
just saw a, a text or a message come through from Metcalf Golf Club from Radar Rob. Everybody should yep. know Radar Rob, right? Um, and they've had to push back their opening by a week because of yep. the uh, the rain that's coming, apparently, and the rain that we've had. It's it's just so. Is that what we're seeing? Is is some courses opening, but some sort of pushing it back? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the tipping point uh, is probably still. I don't know, I'd probably say about three weeks away where you'd have, you know, more courses open than closed. So you're going to see a lot of openings in the next little while, but you're right. There's been delays at a number of places, um, you know, got prospective dates from golf courses, but calf would be one for an example. Then next thing you know, a little bit of snow, you know, a little bit more moisture, not the best conditions. I mean, you know, people will tolerate it. I mean, people are excited to get out there and play and there are golf courses that are opening uh, already, but you're certainly getting, you know, plug golf balls, uh, you know, wet feet, that sort of thing. So it's really the diehards right now. A lot more people are probably heading to the ranges, uh, certainly more ranges that are opening even today. I know my own golf course, uh, Garrison down here in Kingston, their range opens today. So who knows, right after this podcast, maybe I'll be hitting some balls outside. But um, but yeah, that's the case for a lot of the courses, although ones like Dragonfly got open just minutes ago. Um, I, you saw know, the, the, I saw the uh, video posted the on video. Facebook of the uh, the first ball there getting yeah hit so um, yeah yeah, so i think i I think you're just you're just going to see that in general Uh, i would say everybody if you're thinking about going to a golf course and maybe they've announced a date um give them a call first give them a give them a you know a call in advance and and kind of find them but on the other side check their websites first uh, or check our website first to see the the calendar um that's a little bit more comprehensive and easier way to see things Uh, i would say most golf courses need to be a little bit more diligent about posting their prospective dates when they have them. And I understand not everybody has them. Yeah. And, you know, they're waiting on certain things uh, from their superintendents, from their grounds crew to say, hey, yeah, you know what, we're, we're ready to go. Um, but definitely a little bit of pushback. But again, you know, it's as we record this, it's April 11th. As the I show know, comes it- out, it's April 13th. So um, it is awful early and, you know, Eastern Ontario. Yeah, if, if we can be out, you know, by May 1st, I think that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, we always get there's always a few uh, where we get really early openings. I mean, I can recall a bunch of years back that there was a couple of courses open in late March. Um, it's not normal. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah. it's, you know, patience. I know we're, we're, we're dying to get out there and play, but be patient. Yeah. And, and please, 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 if I if I get one and I mean one single text message or DM or you know, post of any kind from anybody saying, ah, I was out at such and such a golf course and, you know, it was in pretty crappy shape. Um, <laughs> I might jump through the internet and, uh, yeah, that, you know, that goes back to last week. Dumb. Yeah. That goes back to last week. Uh, you know, when we talked about driving golf carts and go drive the cart on yeah. your lawn, go out and look at your own lawn and <laughs> exactly. then consider what it's going to be as far as a golf course is concerned. Uh, of, you know, we need warmth, we need growth, we need moisture. Yeah. I mean, we have no shortage of moisture, but we need, we need warmth. Um, so be patient as far as the conditions are concerned, just be happy to be out there. If you do get an opportunity to get out there and, uh, you know, be grateful for the staff as well that are already, uh, you know, mucking in and getting ready for a long golf season. All right. All right. We don't want to touch on this a lot, Scott, because I mean, neither one of us are really experts on the subject either. So, um, but we did put on the, on flagstick.com, we posted a web poll this week and the, and the web poll question was basically asking people if they were going to participate in sports betting. 
Yeah. Um, it's a resounding right now. It's a resounding no from the respondents on the on the poll. Now, obviously, our or poll resounding not, yes. What's that? Resounding yes. Did I read it wrong? It's eighty five percent yes. Oh, I'm I'm an idiot. In I the totally notes. Re- I completely read the read it read the results wrong. You're right. It is an eighty five percent yes. Can't yeah. even read my own freaking notes. <laughs> um, now. Do you think the, the question was sports betting? Yeah. And um, online more than anything. Yeah. Because because now, now there's legality in Ontario to be able to do that versus having to do it outside of Ontario. Right. So given that um, we are a, a golf website and that people are responding, do you think the people are responding in, in that, you know, do you think there's really going to be that much action on something like what just happened with the Masters? Like, you know, do you think there was a, a lot of, you know, betting on the masters, particularly from people that would come, you know, view our website, obviously. Oh yeah. It's huge. And I mean, as I said, a lot of that betting has been done previously uh, in other entities and and things outside the the province of Ontario, where we are for an example. So um, here's the thing, even before that betting became prevalent, as far as online for sports books and things like that, people were doing it in their own homes and and doing their own pools and everything as well. So um, it's just a natural evolution as far as, uh, you know, what has happened over the years. Obviously the PGA tour now has got, you know, they've got betting partners. Uh, You know, it's just the evolution of sports to keep people engaged. Now, you know, can it go sideways? Certainly it's like anything else. Uh, You know, if people are doing it too much, their detriment, it should purely obviously be for entertainment purposes. If you're trying to do this as a a full-time, job good luck with that it's not going to go well i don't think um but i i would say you know i'm not too surprised uh by the polling because again people are already doing it with their buddies they're doing it with friends you know they're running golf pools they're you know buying squares they're you know they're picking teams they're doing fantasy stuff there, there's more of that happening now and there's more of it happening within golf so uh, i really wasn't surprised by the results is there is there a concern at all and, I, and i'm not saying that i'm the guy that's concerned I don't know that I am, but, you know, let me play a little bit of the uh, devil's advocate here. Is there a concern at all with a sport like golf, um, mm-hmm. you know, similar to like a sport like tennis, where it's an individual sport, where one individual person, even though how they play that week is, is hit and miss, they could be really, mm-hmm. really good or they could be really, really bad. But if they're really, really good, they can control the outcome of a tournament relative to themselves yep. with a single swing of a club or, you know, a four putt on the 18th. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know I, what I'm I know saying here. Like, like, yeah, if, if you're a betting, like there's, cause we see instances of this in other sports where, you know, go back to the, the, uh, you know, baseball many, 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 many years ago. Baseball, where basketball. Yeah. You know, where NCAA, an entire team pretty much threw correct. a game yeah. in order to, you know, for, for, the, for the sake of winning money. Yeah. So, yeah. With a sport like golf, where, yeah, there's more factors at play when someone wins or loses a tournament, but it's not necessarily, Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily betting on someone winning or losing a tournament. Maybe you're betting on somebody finishing the top 10 or the top 20, and maybe they bet on themselves to finish inside the top 10 or outside the top 10, and they're sitting in ninth, and they decide, you know what, I'm going to make $100,000 finishing ninth 
but I'm going to, yeah. if, you know, if I finish 11th, I'm going to, I'm going to win a half a million because I bet I'm like, I'm just, I'm not saying that's yeah. going to happen. I think there's a no, lot no, no. more integrity to the game of golf than, but we've seen instances where integrity mm. gets thrown out the window too. I'm sure it's bound to happen at some point there, but you know, again, we're talking the, you know, uh, the exception, not, not the rule, right. but certainly that would be a concern, uh, especially as you get down and start looking at, you know, how far does the betting go? Does it start to go to a different level where athletes are not able to make the money uh, playing the sport and they could make more money gambling? It's different to PGA Tour. I mean, Scotty Scheffler's winning $2.7 million, you know, and, and, you know, other players that are in there, you know, could there be bigger stakes available? Yeah, but that would start to look pretty suspicious as far as the sports books are concerned. Um, it might be a case of, you know, if all of a sudden it becomes prevalent more at um, Corn Ferry Tour or PJ Tour Canada or stuff like that, where, right. you know, these athletes are not making as much money. But again, there's probably not going to be the volume of bets there. Well, I was going to say, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of people betting on who's no. going to win the Corn Ferry right. Tour event yeah. as there would be on the PJ Tour. Yeah. So that becomes not irrelevant, but it's less of a discussion no. point, I suppose. I, I, think it, I think it becomes a little self-regulating and knowing that there is always going to be the exception. And you can definitely look back at, you know, certain scandals over the years of, you know, college basketball players where the, you know, the players, you know, they know they're not, maybe not going to turn pro, yeah. but you know, there's a little high volume of interest in college uh, sports. Uh, there's a high volume of betting involved and there's more temptation there at that level. So it's certainly something associations always have to be careful about uh, uh, of the betting, but, you know, on the other side of it, you know, they look at it as far as fan engagement. If people have uh, a rooting interest uh, in a sport, in a player, I mean, yeah. you know, we'll talk about our little uh, bet on the <laughs> no. week or whatever, but oh, at least on. but at least it's something else that keeps you interested in yeah. your activity. And that's part of the reason why, you know, the associations, besides making money themselves, um, you know, why it becomes important to them. I get fearful sometimes of anything that... Um, you know, because you, you, you know how badly um, betting, the addiction of betting and gambling mm -hmm. can, can be. And sure. uh, I just, I mean, maybe I'm just the guy that sits here and is afraid of everything. I don't know, but I just, I, I fear what can happen long-term to people when more and more and more of this kind of stuff becomes available and becomes an option for people mm. to take their hard-earned money and to put too much of it into something and it's it's self-control right i mean it's not yeah. the pga tour doesn't give no give a crap whether you drop 10 grand on on who's winning the masters and you lose it all they don't care because they yeah. they just you know they just made some money because they, they, they have a self-serving interest in you betting uh, for a number of reasons, whether it's fan engagement or not. So mm -hmm. that's the only thing that I fear is I know betting has been around forever and mm -hmm. I'm not discouraging people from doing it per se. Um, maybe I'm just saying, you know, it, it's a slippery slope and I'm a little fearful of some people just don't have the ability to control, to self-control. Yeah. I just uh, find it always interesting how, you know, the betting runs in, you know, some sports like golf, for an example. So let's look at even at the amateur level. Um, you know, a lot of people go out and they want to play better and they want to do well. Um, but it almost becomes like, you know, basketball or, or, or football where they're just trying to cover the, 
cover the bets and and it's not about who wins it's about you know winning your bet mm -hmm. so you know i always joke there's one guy that uh you know, he would play at, at our golf course and, and uh, he would talk about, you know, the game and, you know, getting his handicap up and whatever. And I'm like, do you want to win the golf or do you want to win the math? And the math, <laughs> the math, the math was about I like you that. Know, That's funny. Yeah. But the math was about winning his bets. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I get it. If somebody is playing an honest, straight up game of, you know, what your true ability is and that's net. And that's why, you know, obviously it's supposed to be there, but you know, when people are manipulating that, um, you know, and, and looking to win the math and not win the sport. I don't think that's the essence of sport. The essence of sport is competing as best as you can. Yes. Granted, that's in a different way. You are competing in somewhat yourself and your handicap or whatever, and that's supposed to be somewhat even. But once things get handicapped, eh, it gets a little dicey there as far as people trying to manipulate things more than going out and you and I play and a par ties, you mm -hmm. know, and a, and a birdie beats a bogey and, you know, whatever the case may be instead of all of a sudden that being net so um again i guess i guess that's up to them as far as what their interest in this in the sport is but you know I, obviously i like the uh, the purity of not not the uh not covering your lines but you know the actual outcome the real outcome exactly now before we uh we're gonna we're gonna switch and we're gonna start talking about the masters obviously we want to get yeah. into that but as we bridge into that a little bit as we move in there i just want to to leave the betting conversation with uh, kind of an analogy about, about how our bet went um, that obviously <laughs> on the last episode, we bet that uh, our choices, uh, yep. yours being uh, Cameron Smith and, yep. uh, and mine being uh, Will uh, Zalataros. Yep. And um, you won that bet. So barely. I do owe you lunch. Barely. Barely. Yes, barely. <laughs> but but I guess, and, and congratulations to you. We will do that soon. Um, I hate you. Um, but <laughs> the, 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 the reference I want to make to that as we move into talking about the Masters is that from a betting perspective, we had a bet. Yeah. And, and Cameron Smith was right there mm -hmm. up until the 12th hole when yeah. things went sideways. He was right there. And I was rooting for him because I was yeah. rooting for golf. I was rooting for, let's see yeah. some back nine. At, let's see this get closer. Let's see the pressure. Because really, yeah. there was no pressure. Which was, really. which was there kind of after two holes yes. more than anything. And then, yeah, but we'll get to that. But, yeah. but um, as soon as that happened, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, I hope that Cameron Smith starts gagging yeah, up even exactly. more because i can win exactly. lunch. so from exactly. a betting perspective i stopped yeah. betting on the golf right because the tournament at that point was pretty much you became over. interested in your bet yeah i became than, interested right. in what i yeah. was about to win i became interested right. not so much in the math but the sandwich yep. you know yep. so um th that's to your to your point is right i started i started thinking about the bet that i made and not paying mm -hmm. attention to the golf that was happening. So but, I guess but that's, that's where the... that, yeah. And that's where that engagement happens because not every tournament is going to be exciting, No, but if you've got a fantasy team and I mean, I talk to people all the time about who they've got in their lineup and whatever for the week and whatever, if that gets them to turn on the TV and kind of see where the, the players are at or find yeah. out the results, you know, then it serves its purposes because the chances of picking a winner, it's tough to pick a winner. I mean, Big if time. you're talking about a field, I mean, Masters a little easier because you've got 90 players, you've got, you know, kind of the best players that are there, um, you know, as opposed to a normal field of 144 players, for an example, it's pretty tough to pick 
a winner. So that's why it's easier to have the interest in, in more players than anything. But uh, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought Zalatoris, once he got to three there and Cam was backing up, I'm like, <laughs> oh man, this could be just a push. <laughs> you know, you never exactly. know. And, it was getting then, close. Like it was just going to be straight up three under, three yeah. under. And I'm like, yeah, you know, but good for Cameron Smith to rebound. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the good, that's the good part. And I, I guess, uh, you know, with that, let's sort of talk about the Masters because, yeah, um, first major of the year, um, second major in the golf yeah, world of the ma- year, men's but, major. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. first men's major of the year is the one we all look forward to. Um, I don't think there's a tournament that happens on the PGA tour that we don't get uh, that people don't get more excited about. I mean, all the majors are, are exciting, but because the, the masters has always been first, mm-hmm. um, it's the one we, we, you know, and it's Augusta national, it's a beautiful golf course. And, but, um, it, you know, it, despite the fact that Scheffler kind of took it and ran away with it. Um, mm-hmm. There were no shortage of exciting things happening mm. throughout the round. Like right. It, it, even from players that were not finishing in the top 10, there was some exciting right. golf. And I guess the biggest topic or biggest discussion point that came from this masters was whether or not tiger was going to play, whether mm-hmm. or not when he decided he was going to play, if he was going to play well, whether or not after he played well from Thursday and Friday, if he was going to play well on the weekend and maybe on the weekend, maybe it was whether or not he was going to break 80 on Sunday or Saturday and Sunday, hmm. but which he did. Uh, but let's talk about that. The, the, the yeah. just, just talk about the tiger side of it for a second, because there was a lot of, I'm going to call it, you know, complaining about how much coverage tiger was getting versus other players. And I, d- I didn't necessarily yeah. agree with that depending mm. on where you watched it. But sure. um, let's just talk about the tiger yeah. factor and, the, and, and how significant it was. Yeah, I mean, obviously he hadn't played, uh, you know, a PGA Tour event since the 2020 uh, Masters. So it had been quite some time. You know, he was the 2019 champion. He's the only five-time champion in the field. Uh, obviously, we had the accident and his recovery from that. So those created a lot of storylines. And, and in essence, you know, it was kind of a savior for the broadcast because, you know, we are fortunate now that we get broadcast for the Masters starting early in the day. Whereas, you know, back in when we we started watching, we'd yeah. get, you know, a snippet in the afternoon or whatever. So, you know, they had a pure storyline to follow. Uh, in the morning and really it worked out quite well because sort he was done before the leaders kind of went out and you know so it gave them something to focus on um I, i don't think it was overdone because i think you know if we look at it from a health perspective his place in the game um you know his his tie to augusta national the fact that you know he won first here 25 years ago um you know the attention it's well deserved and and i mean it doesn't just because you give attention to one player, it doesn't mean it takes away from what uh, other players are doing. It, do- yeah. it doesn't, it's not disrespecting Scotty Scheffler or Cameron Smith because you're paying all that attention to Tiger Woods. You can, you, you know, you can pay attention to all of them. Um, so I think it was, uh, you know, it, it was remarkable actually that he made the cut. Um, the decision to play the week once he got there, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to or not. Yeah. Uh, once he got there, you knew, you know, he was, he, he wanted to play and, and he was committed. Uh, I think he was hurting a lot more yeah. than, than, than maybe people, uh, you, you could know, see it physically. Think. You could see, it. I, I think so. Yeah. But he, you know, he was gritty and determined and trying to get there and you know what he smiled at the end. And, you know, despite the fact that he shot, you know, 
the 78 and, you know, million pots, as he said, and um, just being there was an accomplishment. And um, yeah, so for me, it was perfectly fine. I didn't have any expectation that he's going to win. That was, that's a little getting, getting a little carried away. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, what were your thoughts overall? I, I didn't have a problem with it myself. In fact, you know, I look at it as, especially the way it, it sort of transpired on the weekend. Um, while I believe that a lot of people would have tuned in on Sunday early to watch the masters because it's the masters. Mm. I'm not so sure that as many people would have tuned in to the early the early right. rounds, yeah, uh, which Sunday had which had record numbers on ESPN yeah. Plus. They were re- they were off the charts. I think if the, he's the not numbers. in the field, or if he's in, if he's teeing off at one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon, I don't yeah. think you got eyeballs at eleven o'clock no. or ten o'clock in the morning. No. So I think no. the fact that that happened the way it did, mm-hmm. uh, it just goes to show. Uh, it just goes to show another thing that that um, you know it's not my phrase, but but it's a phrase that exists out there in that, you know, they say, <laughs> uh, master's cup, that's yeah, the master's <laughs> cup with the cranberry and, uh, yeah. Um, water, it's just <laughs> that tiger doesn't move the needle. The oh, tiger is the, is the needle. And, yeah. and I think that that is, couldn't have been more true on mm-hmm. Sunday yeah. than, than any other, uh, round in that, uh, of that tournament is that there's no way that needle moves. Mm-hmm. for audience on sunday morning if he's no. not playing in the early groups on sunday right. it's just not yeah, yeah you just had to look at monday and how deep the fans were that looked like a sunday round yes. and a monday during a round so it was fortunate for the people that that you know got tickets for that day you, you know i i guess some people don't have a full appreciation for the fact that you know a year like 2000 for him um is is a lifetime it's a career for, yeah. for other players and two years out of his career are enough for most other players to make the hall of fame. So, I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it's that remarkable of what he's done and, and, and how many moments there were and how many influences are, I mean, Sanjay M, you know, who's in there, who was a, you know, a year old uh, when Tiger won his first masters, he's, you know, he said, he's like a God to me. I mean, this is the motivation for a lot of people to have taken up the game yeah. Uh, and we can't dismiss his influence that way and how it inspired um, all sorts of people to play yeah. young, old from every background. Uh, like it's just, you know, and it made a big difference. So, you know, to sit there and complain about it, like, sorry. I mean, you know, if you're on the other side of that, people would be complaining about, Oh, where's our exciting players. We need, we need a storyline. It's boring or whatever. Well, guess what? You've got one. So, so don't look the gift horse in the mouth for well, sure. Well, Yeah. And to your point there about, um, about tiger and, and uh, you know, the career, like uh, some player having, you know, a good season, yeah. tiger having one good season is a career know, is, a, is a career for most guys. You look at Scotty Scheffler. Okay. Here's mm-hmm. a guy that's world number one. Yeah. He's won four of his last six starts and now including a major champion. But, you know, go back five yeah. years, go yeah. back four years, go back three years. Where, where is Scotty Scheffler? He's still a yeah. good player. He's still doing well, but he's not the player then that he is now. Well, and, he's only 25. You know, we have yeah. to remember well, that. Despite the, thing, the right? fact everybody looks at him and, he, uh, you know, they, they joke that he looks like he's 40. I mean, he's new, you yeah, know, but he, yeah, yeah, exactly. But and, and think about it player. as remarkable as he's had right now, 
do that for 20 straight years. Well, that's the thing. Is, is, is that, <laughs> like, is that's Scotty going to be world number one as long as Tiger was world number one when he became world? No, no. there was a stretch where Greg no. Norman was world number one for a very long time, too. Yeah. They, they, the days of a player being at that level for that long a period of mm. time without being surpassed by another player, I really truly believe that those days are gone, long gone. It's hard. I don't think we're ever going to see another player on the PGA tour be at that, not necessarily on the PGA tour, but be world number one for mm-hmm. that length of time, be that dominant win 10 or 11 events in a season, mm. let alone almost doing that in a row. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just, and having multiple majors in one year. I mean, yeah. when Brooks Kepka was, you know, kind of came onto the scene and was, and was winning and talking about how his strategy for winning and, you know, how he could be dominant because this many players were, were not, not as good as him and they, and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. You know, there was all this talk about, you know, every time there's another player that comes up Mm -hmm. that starts winning like a Scotty Scheffler, they start talking about our, our Tigers records in jeopardy. Is this the next guy to take? No, 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 he's not, you know, it, that and no. that and that's the thing we we can learn that from other sports i mean that that's to be able to sustain that level of performance over a long period of time is super difficult i mean vj singh won nine tournaments in a year yeah but you know and vj singh might be a world golf hall of fame player but his record pales in comparison to a tiger woods and and even you know even vj and, and phil mickelson for as much as they won um their records pale in comparison so you know they're amazing golfers yeah you know they're, they're they hall are of fame golfers no question they are hall of fame golfers but to do what tiger has done that's that's hard to do and and generally on the other side of it too i mean not many people are going to give up that much in their life to, to yeah. do that at that level. I mean, you have to think now, you know, Scotty Scheffler and, you know, again, I'm sure his desire is to keep winning more tournaments, keep winning more majors. And, you know, he said in a few quotes that, you know, and he was talking about his wife saying to him before the final round that, you know, golf doesn't define him. He's still going to be the same person and so forth. But that said, um, you know, he's won over $10 million this year. Mm-hmm. 10 million it's april yes you know in 13 14 <laughs> still three majors to go right so the thing is for a lot of golfers these days you know it starts to be um decisions as you work your way through you know how long do i want to do this i mean there's a lot that goes into being a professional golfer that people don't see or don't understand and the travel and the time commitment and the work and the time away from family do they and do now- it as long I guess that's right, what you're getting exactly. at. Is, because, is, is, because as the money, as the yeah. money gets more and, and, and more lucrative, um, there's not as much motivation to keep doing it. It takes a, a real commitment to say, you know what, I want to be out there forever and win, you know, 90 events or whatever. Yeah. I mean, at some point you're going, you know what, I'm going to grab a pina colada and I'm going to go sit on the beach and hang out with my family because I don't have to do this. I don't have to be in an airport every Monday. Well, especially even for someone like, I mean, you know, Tiger being the the example, right? I mean, here's a guy that keeps coming back from things. Yeah. Coming back from, you know, breaking, you know, you know, the the leg issue at the US Open when he yeah. had to play off with Rocco Media and won on a on a fractured leg and you know, back surgeries, back and surgeries, knee surgeries and knee surgeries. And, yeah. and now this, this car accident and, uh, and the issue with, uh, you know, the issue with the, uh, the nine iron, um, 
you know, I mean, there's yeah. so many things that that, yeah. that have gone on, the drama that has gone on, and every mm-hmm. time he he comes back from it, he cho- he chooses to. Yes, yeah, he, he chooses, chooses to. to. How many yeah. people would just choose with that kind of money sitting in the bank and that yeah. kind of life that's ahead of you, where you have no worries whatsoever about anything financially the rest of your life? He could stop right mm-hmm. now. What yeah. in the world yeah. drives a player mm-hmm. to? to do that is it like especially when he's got charlie coming up mm-hmm. and and you can focus on on him and and you know where he wants to go with his golf i mean obviously he's very young right now he's you know not threatening you know getting college scholarships yet oh, but, God. yeah yeah but but that's a focus of him he he's he's very focused with his on his family but mm-hmm. to the drive is it because of the kids that he wants to con- is it Jack's record does he truly believe that he can get to 18 and you know does yeah. he truly believe that he can get to 80 what is it he, what's he at now 80, he's at 82 82 so does he think he can get to 83 like is that is that the ultimate get the yeah. 83 and then be done with it well i think there's a lot of different motivations and every single person's got to have their own little goals and what their motivations are for some of the players that you said at his age, I mean, yeah, you want to, you know, you want to win that 2019 masters and your kids to be there and to see that, um, you know, that's a motivation for a lot of other athletes, be it a Tom Brady and, you know, his kids getting to see him win super bowls and things like that, because normally you have a separation in the generation and the kids don't even know about it. Right. So, um, so that, that can be a motivation. Is that enough? to to keep someone going that that comes down to the individual for sure but i i guess the thing is is that you know what's the ceiling on 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 scheffler i mean a lot of people are going to be speculating about it now it you know it's no different than colin morikawa winning two majors recently and people going kind of what's his ceiling um you know i it really comes down to scheffler more than anything and yeah. uh, I, i'll say that it's him to do his part but as we've already said there are there's another Scotty Scheffler two oh, years behind and 20 of them behind, and they're all over of the place. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and there's more and more players the, out there. I guess that's the thing when we look at a player's ceiling and, yeah. and I know, you know, golf analysts, you see them, you hear them talk about it on TV and here you and I are, we're talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and what's his ceiling. I mean, you're right. It's up to him, but, but I don't think that I just can't see, I can't see a player like Scotty Scheffler sustaining the the level that he's mm-hmm. at right now over a long period of time with the with mm-hmm. the amount of talented golfers that are on mm-hmm. the tour and that are on the corn ferry tour that are you know there's players that aren't even playing the corn ferry or the pga tour yet oh, they're on sure. their way up yeah. that have turned pro and we yeah. know of a few of them that that have that passion that have that drive that have mm-hmm. the skill and it's only a matter of time and the difference mm-hmm. between the difference between the guy winning on the corn Ferry tour and the guy winning on the PGA tour might just be a little itty bit of putting, you know, or it might just be a break confidence. Yeah. But it might just be the case of the guys not there yet. So once, once that guy gets there, yeah, then he starts to show, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're playing the corn Ferry tour right now, the only way you're winning is if you're, you're shooting 66 is every friggin' round you play. You're, mm-hmm. you know, or better. It's just the, the nature of the courses that they play. Obviously they, they go low. I mean, what mm-hmm. Brad Fritz used to tell us that all the time, right? You know, you, you have to go deep to win on that tour. Yeah. You don't have to go deep to win on the PGA tour. 
Not, not always. As, not as Some weeks it helps do. for sure. Yeah. But yeah. generally the courses are tougher that they yeah. play. Um, the conditions with the fans and stuff, it's a little bit more pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So everything, so you don't see, you look at the, you know, the scores aren't quite as low on a week to week basis. So once a guy gets from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour, Mm-hmm. then you start to see you know well wow, there's you know, and there's, there's less of those guys out there yeah there's less variance in their skill level when you get up to the pga tour yes. so these players are a lot close to each other i mean here's a here's a question i had yesterday for for someone um you know we were talking about scheffler and obviously he'd won three events out of five going into this at augusta you know that creates a lot of self-belief a lot yes. of resilience so that when things go sideways sideways you still believe that you can perform and obviously he did and made some critical putts at critical times and you know and didn't panic i mean his third round he had seven pars yeah seven pars and i said you know he was riding the wave and that's what you have to do in golf did he necessarily or would he necessarily have won that masters if he hadn't have won three events out of five going in because he wouldn't necessarily have that belief in himself that he could get the job done And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that's part of it is having that belief in yourself that things will be okay, that just because you made a bogey doesn't mean you're falling apart. It just means you made a bogey and that you can certainly make more birdies to make up for it. Um, So, yeah, so that belief, how long does that belief last? When do we have fractures in that belief? And generally you'll see on the PGA tour, most players will make their money for the year in six to seven week periods. You know, that's sort of their bulk time during the year that they make most of their money. Um, and then the rest of the tournaments, they kind of yeah, do okay and stuff like that, but they sort of peak because sort of everything comes together. No coach can, can give them that. No. That, that comes up to them as far as what they have in their head and how they play and how they believe that, you know, they're going to do well no matter what. So um, we'll see. We'll see how long that lasts, well, but I'm sure we're here. We're here for the ride. Well, exactly. Well, two weeks ago, who was world number one? Yeah, it wasn't him. And, and, <laughs> and the start of this week, who was the odds on favorite to win the Masters? Yeah, it was Rom. And where did Rom finish? <clears throat> Not well. Exactly. So, but two weeks ago, yeah, that's the yeah. that's your world number one, right? I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, a few few more weeks than that, but yeah, yeah. But so that's how quickly it changes. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, Scheffler yeah. And now, now, now he's and yeah. So he's built up a pretty good yeah. lead here. Uh, I don't think he can be you know knocked off until at least the PGA Championship in May. But again, that's not a long period of time. Not that's really. only you know, a bunch of weeks or whatever. So you're right. Things go in streaks. These players are a lot closer to each other and, you know, they just need little things to happen. I mean, take Corey Connors and we'll, we can transition into that. Um, You know what? Canadian played very well at the masters, three consecutive top tens, T eight T or T 10 T eight T six, the last three masters Um, granted, obviously his final score, He's not in contention, even though he's within that top 10. Um, but he just needs some other things to happen to go to that next level. And I mean, he's 31st in the world right now. Yep. But who, who says 
you know, a month and a half from now, we're not talking about Corey Connors winning three events and, and having, you know, won a major at, at, uh, you know, in Tulsa, uh, winning a PGA championship and whatever. I mean, that's how quickly the game can go. And he's got belief in himself right now. And every single thing that he does builds that belief. Yeah. And he's an extraordinary Um, ball striker, which obviously is one of the reasons why he does so well at, at Augusta, he, he, mm-hmm. the golf course suits him. Yeah. Um, and he, he likes that. it and the golf yeah. course suits his game and being that, that yeah. good, a ball striker, um, you know, but plus he has got that past experience. Yeah. You know, he exactly. knows he's got three top tens there. So it almost feels as an Normal. athlete that, that right. That you should be in yes. the top 10. You're not doubting that you can finish in the top 10. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And, and, you know, you look at some of the other things, you look at Rory McIlroy yesterday. Right. Yeah. I 64. Mean, he's a amazing. perennial fourth round comeback king at, at a back, backdoor at top tenor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. At least, at least since the collapse. Um, but this is not a crappy golfer. This is not a no. flash in the pan golfer. This is Rory McElroy. This yeah. is a guy that could win a mate, could, could win at Southern Hills. He could win at St. Andrews. He could, yeah. like, funny, funny part about him. Funny part about him on Friday afternoon. Through 11 holes, he was four over par. There was a wide number of people panning him on Twitter, mm-hmm. calling the fact that, oh, it's another Masters fan, missed cut, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, and obviously, <laughs> those receipts are out there from people yeah. saying that yeah. on, on, Shut on, off. on Twitter, for an example. Um, what it shows to me sometimes, people don't who even cover the game or talk about the game don't understand the game. It's 70, it's 72 holes. And it, there's no order that those 72 holes are in. You need to make the cut. Yes. But, but people need to understand that just because John Rom, even though he, you know, he shot three under, I guess, in the final round, but, you know, he's frustrated and had a, another bad round in between. Doesn't mean he sucks. No. <laughs> right. But it's and, a storyline, right? They got to have, you know, and I'm not, I'm not knocking our counterparts that cover golf or, no, no, or no, whatnot, no, no. but just come on. Like, like yeah. it's the storyline. It's like, oh, you know, we need to, we need to bash this guy while he's down because yeah. it's good. It's a good discussion point for us. It's a good storyline. Like, it's like, come on, really? I mean, this is, yeah. this is a top level. This is a, 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 like a, this is one of the best players on the planet. Yeah. He's a major champion. Okay, come on. Like be honest yeah. with ourselves here. Yeah. You know, do I get on Bryson DeChambeau's case a little bit? I get on his case a lot because there's a lot that I, that I dislike about Bryson DeChambeau's game. And I say, that I dislike about his game because I don't know him as a person. No. So there's nothing that I dislike about him. Right. I don't know him. So I'm not, right. I don't yep. dislike Bryson DeChambeau. What I dislike is, is, and it's not so much that I don't, that I dislike it. I just, I just don't understand why he did what he did. And I think he, I think he's just one of those golfers that really overthinks everything. And I think that he would be just as good, if not a better player right now, if he had just stayed the course as to what he was doing when he was in college and what he came out on the tour and when he was winning leading mm. up to, uh, you know, in, in, when he, when he won, I think he won two out of the three uh, FedEx cup playoff events. This was before the transformation. Yeah. I think yeah, but- this whole transformation thing is just not, I don't think it's sustainable. I think it's dangerous to be honest with you. I, you know, physically, I think it's dangerous. Hey. His, his choice to exactly. deal with or not, not, not for us to no. 
judge. We can say whether we like it or not. Exactly. It doesn't mean we're, doesn't mean we're right nope. or, or wrong. Nope. More um, often than not, we would be wrong. But sure, it's, it's you know, just an opinion for sure. So, it's all yeah. it is. It's all it is. Yeah. And that's all we have is our, you know, we're, we're allowed to have our opinions. That's why I say yeah. it's nothing. It's nothing against him. Uh, no as a person and no, I, know. I, I think it's more when somebody states something as a fact rather than saying it's their opinion. Yeah. You know, I, I saw some people talking about particular things as certain players and they're saying, well, he's doing this. And I'm like, well, you don't know that you may yeah. want to preface that, especially if you're a professional, you might want to preface that, that that's your opinion, um, that it's not correct. I mean, it's no different than teaching golf. A lot of times there's some things that are factual, mm -hmm. but a lot of times we have to say, that's my opinion as I know. And I, we understand it at this point in time. Yeah. And that yeah. and that's about it. Any other things stand out for you from the oh, Masters? I guess we can wrap uh, well, it up a little bit. Yeah, obviously, Sunday excitement. What happened with Rory and Colin yeah. Morikawa on eighteen yeah. was that that was awesome. You know, that yeah, was, was cool. And you see the excitement between the two of them. I mean, obviously, yeah. for Rory, more finishing where he did, mm -hmm. given yeah, the start 60... that he had. Morikawa yeah. was just more. You know, still, I think he finished three or four under. Um, but yeah, five. They were actually they were thirteen under par between the two of them. It, which is awesome. I mean, that, that that's day. you know to see a hole out bunker shot on eighteen is cool. Yeah, let alone two guy back in the to same back group. You know, <laughs> do the same thing. You know, yeah. from from the same bunker. I mean, albeit they had different shots. One we had to play it high, and one had to play it straight at it. But um, yeah, that that caught my attention a lot. Um, mm -hmm. The way that the guys, and I guess Augusta National really lends itself more. And I've never been to Augusta National. Um, you have. I always tell, you know, my, my youngest Brandon, who's a golfer and that when we're watching it on TV, I said, you know, I've never been there. I've talked to a lot of people who have been there, but my understanding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I see the cop and I just, I think about what we were talking about before we came on. Anyways, let it go. Um, that you don't, you cannot appreciate how much elevation there is on that golf course how much of a change there is from tee to green on a lot of those holes unless you have been there um, mm -hmm. you can also not appreciate that while you see the trees are very widespread out you know along the sides of the fairways you can't appreciate how difficult it is when you hit it into the pine straw in those trees how difficult it is to get it out of there mm -hmm. and onto the green or even in most cases a lot of these guys they're not even trying to get it on the green they're trying to get it to a spot so that they can get their next shot onto the green right. because of the way those greens are. It's just the things that you can't see that you have yep. to take people's word for. Um, I think that's an, another thing that really sort of, it, not just this Masters, but every Masters, but this Masters more, more than others. I just see a lot of guys hitting it out of the trees and mm. shaping balls out of the trees and rolling down the fairway and being happy yeah. with that. Yeah, I, I think the cool part now is the evolution of the broadcast has allowed us to see the angles and see the undulations and th see things much better. You yeah. know, they've got drones there now. They've got different level, you know, cameras on, on the ground level in different ways. And I think the nuances really show you the difficulty of this golf course. And, you know, that's why there's extreme differences in scoring yet. There's not a dramatic response from a player when all of a sudden they shoot 75 
They don't go, oh my God, it was horrific or whatever. They know yeah. that it was still a decent round. It was just, they got out of position on a few spots and, you know, they have to do some things really exceptional to excel here. And that's what, that's what a major championship should be anyways. I mean, it should be a test of mental skills, you know, uh, physical skills, techniques, um, you know, uh, strategy there's a lot of things that have to come into play to win a major championship and uh, i think the the modern broadcast uh, now shows that a little bit more and gets us to see some of those shots that are coming out of the uh, you know the nether reaches of the golf course as well well exactly and one of the things um one of the things from the masters this week i guess that we can just you know maybe maybe finish off this this topic this discussion and, and move into one of our other topics for this week but um, one of the things this year is a, uh, elimination of the green books. Well, they never had green books at Augusta anyways. They weren't allowed there. Right. So that was, the, that was okay. part, but now, but now there's no green books overall on, on the tour. So right. it's always, it's always been an exceptional place for that aspect of it. For right. Sure. And those greens are, I mean, and, and the, a major part <clears throat> of Augusta national is being able to, is being able to, uh, uh, translate, <laughs> the uh the uh greens uh the yeah. slopes of the greens because there is such a significant i apologize I, I i i did realize augusta doesn't have green books but that is something going forward into other events that the right yeah the players yeah. are no longer going to be allowed to use um which kind of gets gets me into the the putting discussion because a place like well, this this really could be a whole show and it's probably will be at some point so yeah we can talk about it. we'll talk about it in brief how's that okay so we'll try to <laughs> try to be brief about it but um we see different things with with putting now i mean um you know we've always seen some you know the putters themselves mallet style blade style okay that's fine that's equipment um long putters um Long putters is something anchoring is something that's changed over the years trying to mm -hmm. the purpose of all of these things that they've they've altered in the last the last number of years, you know, particularly with anchoring the putter um, is to try to take is to try to take that um, to bring skill back yeah, to bring game, skill back apparently, in, which yeah. Which I guess um, it kind of brings me to the, the, you know, sort of the first little piece of topic of conversation here is the long putter. Um, mm -hmm. Don't see, don't see very many uh, on the PGA tour other than maybe Adam Scott using one. Um, and I joke when I see it and, you know, all the time it's like, you know, I call it a cheater stick. Um, I don't like it. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think he's still anchoring it. Um, I know it doesn't, I, I think that there's still a, it just, and it's an opinion. Again, this is let me let me just clarify that there, there's no there's no fact factual data to this. There's no factual data to support that a long putter uh, is is makes it easier to make putts than a short putter because obviously that's not the case. I just don't. I think in Adam in Adam Scott's case. <laughs> Why are you using it? Are, are you going to be like one of the committee members at the USG? And I will say without putting, throwing anybody under the bus, but I've had discussions with people that were in those committee meetings mm -hmm. when they were discussing the rule that changed the long putter. And it was very clear that it was based purely on aesthetics and there was no data represented in making that change. Right now that said, there's a difference, obviously, between a professional game and the amateur game. Yes. And, and, that, and that has to be clarified. And that has to be clarified because my opinion is that 
by altering and changing and reducing the ability for recreational golfers to enjoy themselves and have funds in, in non-handicap rounds, yes. I don't think is really acceptable. Like, I don't really care if, if a person is not, you know, if I'm playing you, mm-hmm. we can set up our own rules right. of what we're trying to do in our match, in our game or whatever. I get it relative to a handicap that's kept that, you know, judges you against every other player in the world or Canada or whatever yes. you've got, you've got to follow the same guidelines or whatever. But if all of a sudden people were pushed out of the game for playing because they can't use the technique that they wanted to play on a recreational level because they feel, you know, that they can't play, even though maybe they're not even doing handicap rounds. I don't think that was right. And I think things were done more on an aesthetic basis. I know they were, um, you know, the number of revisions that were, that were needed to, to change the language of that rule. I don't. And, and really, I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but there's also lots of other variations that probably provide more advantage than certain things that we already see out there. Well, I guess that's my opinion. And maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not so much the, maybe it's just, maybe it's not so much the long putter that, that, that bothers me. And maybe it's more a case of, um, you know, when you're putting, when you have two hands on your putter, whether it's, you know, left hand low, right hand low, whatever way you're putting, or you mm-hmm. have two hands on that putter and you're, and, and you're swinging it, you know, that pendulum motion, so much can go wrong when mm-hmm. you're, putting that way and i feel Mm -hmm. like that's that's part of that's part of the game that's part of the competition of the game is your nerves get into it you know i have a tendency you know again it's personal i have a tendency when i when i get a little nervous over a putt to get a little handsy Mm -hmm. if i'm using a long putter Mm -hmm. and i'm allowed to anchor it you Mm -hmm. know the old the old way of anchoring it it generally Mm -hmm. would take that that handsiness out because my hands aren't really the only connection to the, to the putter anymore. Now, the only problem is if we start to look at nuances like mass in a putter, we can Mm -hmm. take a standard putter and all of a sudden jam it up as with as much weight as possible. And you're not able to apply as much force to change the direction of the, the path or the face angle. Is that a disadvantage? I don't know. It's like leveling the, it's like, you feel like the playing field at the top, at the highest end of the game should be as level as possible. And and that skill is like you, you take a game like hockey, for instance. And I mean, this, I know this is a golf show, but hockey, for instance, Mm -hmm. the hockey stick has evolved. Okay. Right. Let's face it. When I played, we used wooden sticks and now they're using these composite things, velocity, the shots are, are released and so on. Um, but everybody, everybody has access to the same, the, the, the same stick, right? So the, the, the mm-hmm. sticks differ, but the, the sticks, it's the same stick, right? So I guess it's the same skate. I'd, I'd argue it's not. Well, <laughs> I, I would argue that if you look throughout the NHL and the top players of the world, that even though there are variances within the players and the skill of the athletes, that their equipment is fitted for them and performs differently for them yes. and can provide an advantage for them individually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there has to be a, there has to be room. Yes. Unless we're going to give everybody one thing. And if we give them one thing, now we're actually giving the advantage to some people that that fits better too. Well, I guess the difficulty is the only thing that the golf industry can really control when it comes to standardize, standardizing 
the, the playing field for competition is the golf ball. Because they can set, even though different manufacturers could do different things with the golf, they, if they, if everybody was playing, like, it's, like, again, with hockey, we use the same puck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you not you don't go to somebody's home rink and they use a different puck. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's you know, or tennis, they don't use a different tennis ball. Everybody in the mm-hmm. tournament uses exactly the same tennis ball, no matter what tennis ball brand they practice with, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. But in golf, everybody's allowed to choose whatever golf ball they want to use. It performs, you know, I guess fitting and stuff like that is is a factor. Um, mm-hmm. it fits to the equipment that they're using because we talked about this last week with with or two weeks ago on the first episode with balls in that ball fitting is important because it matches up with the equipment that you're using um i know there's been discussion about you know i think nicholas was one of the ones talked about standardizing the golf ball but you know do you see golf going that route i mean with with more you see now that the the uh the standardization or the the maxing out of the length of a driver, which has obviously not had a negative effect necessarily on Brooke, but it, it could have had a negative effect on a player in a short, in a period of time while they got used to new equipment, but things like that, do you see more of that stuff happening even with, with putters, you know, where they start to say, okay, well, the, the, the maximum length of a putter can be this, the maximum weight of a putter mm-hmm. can be this because there's mm-hmm. so much differentiation between the different mm-hmm. pieces of equipment that they're using. Do you mm-hmm. think there's a standardization coming in something like that? Like with the length no, of the no, not, not that well-defined. I mean, I think there's some variances that are there. There still has to be some variances. They have to also consider as well. There's a business side of the game versus yeah. the actual administration of the game. So they're the two things play a role and, they can't be distinctly separated apart. Um, you know, there has to be a business to the game or whatever, and not everybody's going to play with the exact same putter. Um, you know, could they have implemented that? Yeah, sure. Technically, I guess they could, but I, I don't see them going that way. There are obviously a lot of equipment rules already in place that standardize a lot of things, but there's also a really a lot of smart people that are working in the game to work around those particular things um, to make certain things happen and to match up certain things with players. I think the individuality of the sport will always exist. And I think they, they still need that. I think in some ways, if we lose that and it all becomes the same, I think it really would drive some people out of the game more than anything. If you all of a sudden said to if I said to you, Hey, uh, you got to play this golf shaft of this flex and this weight and, and so forth. And it's standard and everyone has to do that. And you're not of the physical ability to make use of that product effectively based right. on your golf swing or physical needs or whatever, you know what? You're off playing tennis. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And so I, they, I don't so they have I, to be careful with that. I don't think I see I don't think that that's sort of where I, where I think. Yeah. But oh, you're saying on up, tour. Yeah. I'm thinking just yeah. of, of what they do at the professional level, but then, yeah. then again, you know, we talk about that. We talk about, you know, what they do at the professional level versus what they allow at the amateur level, but how do you, at the amateur level, it's very easy at the professional level to, to have hard and fast. Okay. This and this and this and this and this, because you're all playing, everybody playing professional golf is playing professional golf for money, you know, mm-hmm. but everybody at the amateur level, is not mm-hmm. playing for mm-hmm. uh, handicaps and so on. Like, like not everybody mm-hmm. that plays right. amateur golf yeah. even cares it's about their It's handicap. a different game. So how do you have a set? Yeah. It, it's easy to have a set of rules for amateurs and a set of rules for, for professionals, but now you actually need to have a set of rules for professionals, 
a set of rules for competitive amateurs and a set of rules mm-hmm. for non-competitive yeah. amateurs. And then you're getting into, then yeah. you could probably even divide it further than that. Yeah. It gets crazy. And, and then it becomes, becomes more difficult because you got to remember the amateur that's out there wants to play the same game as the professional. They yeah. want to, they don't, they don't want to play a different game on the other side of it. Golf is inherently variable. Every surface that we play, every golf course that we play, every lie yeah. that we hit it into is different. So it's not a standardized one surface or whatever. Anyways, I think we're getting off into a tangent here. Yeah, I think a little we bit. Can, I think we can go further with this. Uh, what I would say, though, is, you know, we'll look at maybe doing a couple shows around putting. I know you want to get into a little bit of, uh, you know, reading putts and things yes. like that more. And we're talking to the aim point. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll do a whole show around that. Maybe even some guests that are, you know, have done some studies and some things like that. And maybe can I think present that'd be some good. Different yeah. points. Uh, would be entertaining. And I think, you know, if people want to drop a comment down here in, on our YouTube channel or, you know, on our, on our, any of our pages here for, uh, um, for our audio, for a podcast and just, you know, or send us a note uh, yeah. about what they'd like to see in that topic, we'd be certainly interested in that's something we can, we can explore later on for, uh, for another. Yeah, sure. We're pretty show. much open to talking about anything. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Why don't we wrap up the front nine talking about uh, just talking quickly about the, um, this uh, young Canadian, yeah, uh, that is uh, that is planning to qualify for the U.S. Open. So why don't you why don't you why don't we just wrap up this side talking about that and then we'll get into some other stuff. Yeah. So the entries uh, have came in for the U.S. Women's Open, uh, which will take place this summer at Pine Needles down in Southern Pines, North Carolina. Uh, USG is reporting eighteen hundred and seventy four entries, which is a record. It beats the uh, previous record by one. As far as the number of entries, wow. uh, I was talking to Brian Pasquale from the USGA, and he happily provided the fact that there are 52 uh, players that are in that field for the entries that are, uh, you know, define Canada as their home country. And the youngest person in that entire field uh, is an 11 year old Canadian from Mirabel, <laughs> Quebec, uh, Leone Tavares, who's a, you know, competitive player. Uh, one, I think she won the Bantam Division. Yeah, Bantam Division at the Graham Cook Invitational in the fall. Uh, I know she plays Florida State Golf Association events in the wintertime. They spend some time, her family, down in, in Florida in the wintertime. Um, just cool to see. It's not like there hasn't been a, a, a younger athlete before in the USGA women, uh, Women's Open. Um, but, you know, to see that the, the youngest this year is an 11-year-old Canadian taking her shot it's an open event yeah so you know she she meets the qualifications as far as uh index is concerned so give, give it a whirl how cool is that 11 yeah, years it's fun. old yeah 11 i know wow. well think about that now you know brooke henderson was 14 and she won a pro event uh yeah i know but, but yeah but <laughs> it's yeah, already I, a cow. I, but there's a there is a big difference the three years is a is a it's a big difference, you know, when you're, when you're talking about um, yeah. your size and your, your power and your ability to play at that. I mean, 11 to, to 14, winning a professional yeah. event when you're 14 is extraordinary, obviously. Yeah. But, but that's winning. Uh, I mean, she was already trying yeah. to qualify. There been Lucy Lee was playing in the U S yes, early the, on. Yeah. Yeah. Who just almost won an Epson tour event. Uh, you know, there's lots of, yeah. So, but it's neat to see that it is 11 year old from Canada this year. That is the youngest in the field. Uh, for qualifying yeah uh, and that. it is qualifying is qualifying not, not in yeah, the field no 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 brooke brooke henderson is the only uh canadian that's uh guaranteed a spot in the field right now uh she's exempt into it but uh we'll see how everyone makes out in the qualifying to come awesome awesome all right well 
as expected, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of discussion, a lot of talk, but that's that's what this podcast is all about, everybody. I mean, that's you know, who knows where things are going to go. We we kind of get in our heads uh, some things that we want to talk about, and then we just let we just let it happen. So sometimes it's going to run on a little longer than maybe we expect it will, but it's it's uh, we have no no timelines on any of this stuff. No, there's no not at there's all. no clock up here saying oh we got to get out in ten or anything like that. We just talk, and when we're done talking, we move on to the next topic. Um, so we will move on to the next topic, but uh, first off, um, we got to pay some bills, so we're going to get out here for for a quick uh, quick minute. Um, uh, and uh, for a word from uh, TaylorMade Golf Canada, our, our presenting sponsor. And then when we get back, though, we're going to get into uh, Product Watch uh, and we're going to yep. talk about uh, about golf carts. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting conversation that might go on for a while, too. So uh, don't go away. Stay with us. Over the past 40 years, you've inspired us to make a lot of great drivers. All great, but all eventually reach their limit. But while we were making all these drivers for the present, we were also hard at work making the next generation of driver. Because where titanium ends, carbon begins. All right, and we are back. Um, we're going to change gears now and uh, switch over and, and uh, to our, our product uh, product watch segment brought to you by Greensmere Golf and Country Club. Save 40% on all-day green fee rates with FlexPass. For only 425 plus tax, visit greensmere.com for more information to pick yourself up a FlexPass. All right, Scott, um, we're going to yes, get sir. into product watch, and let's just kind of lead into that by we're going to get into talking about a specific golf cart that, uh, right. that we just featured on flagstick.com recently. Um, but I just wanted to get into the, the golf cart boom a little bit, if you will, mm. because this kind of goes with everything that's been going on over the last couple of years with the whole pandemic and the growth of golf. There's also been a boom in certain categories right. of golf equipment and, and golf carts has been one of them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, uh, you know, we saw early on in the in the uh, pandemic, once golf was allowed that, uh, you know, there was some restrictions in, in power cart usage and not everybody was down with it. Not everybody wanted to jump on a power cart and be with somebody because we didn't know much about yeah. what was happening with the COVID-19 at that point. Uh, so we saw a lot of people take up walking and because they were people that were used to a power cart, they wanted you know, something to go with their uh, golf clubs and to help them yeah. along with that. They weren't going to necessarily, you know, grab a golf bag and strap it onto their back, but, um, you know, push carts, uh, definitely walking carts became super popular, hard to get Very. uh, one of those. And this was before the supply chain issues that really sort of came in and have restricted things sort of now. And we'll get to that, but uh, that category just boomed to the point that, you know, you couldn't get, a push cart. So trying to get one was near impossible. People were phoning all over the place. Uh, you know, golf pros said, Hey, I'm sold out. I can't get any for a while. And we just saw, you know, I guess to a good point, we saw more people walking the golf yeah. courses yeah. And, 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 you know, which was nice to see, but yeah, certainly that category became bigger. Um, it wasn't that we were seeing more manufacturers jump in no i was because, gonna say like it hasn't been yeah. that there's been an addition of new players no. in that market it's just yeah it's just more people uh purchasing yeah uh, you know in inside that market and then of course we see more of an evolution to the product 
in that segment mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, not that we haven't seen a big no change over the years in golf cart technology and, and whatnot, but just, yeah. you know, in the last well, couple I, of years. We did see things that were like, um, we saw a lot of the development of more motors that would go on push carts. Yeah. That was a definitely a segment that that was growing. It, it hadn't it hadn't sort of had its um, it hadn't kind of reached its peak yet. It was sort of a fringe type thing that you could go to the PGA show and you'd see a number of manufacturers that had, um, you know, these powered devices that you could add to your push cart and mm-hmm. you know that would power them and sort of convert them to a, a remote trolley or whatever. Um, but that so that market continued to grow um but yeah in essence what you've seen now is you know if we look back 25 years and remember selling <laughs> you know push carts as they were um they were it was really pull carts is yes. what they were called before then <clears throat> and then what we saw was the evolution in uh in about 1999 or so we started to see you know sun mountain which is a brand that we're going to get to here today coming out with a three-wheel push cart uh, companies like, you know, uh, bag boy and so forth. And and they were converting to a different product. One that Mm -hmm. you would push along, uh, had a little bit more stability. And what we saw though, was they started to grow as far as accessories were concerned. So more elements and, you know, for yourself, even the products that, you know, you use as far as a push cart and and whatever, uh, you know, umbrella holders, uh, you know, storage containers below where you could put your water bottle, uh, you know, cart pockets where, you know, or containers where you could put in your scorecard and, you know, all of a sudden things where you put in snacks, cooler bags, uh, seats. <laughs> I mean, every accessory possible. Uh, and this so you could say it and it existed. Yeah. And it boomed into a category that, you know, we never imagined. And here we are, you know, 23 years later after Sun Mountain introduced their first speed cart, uh, you know, talking about what they now call their speed cart uh, V1R. And what's really happened is that, you know, the handles have been redesigned. We get a little bit more comfortable. They start redesigning bag brackets so that they you know secure the bag better they're easier to put the bag on and off um just a lot more standard features in these carts because at first when we saw a lot of those push carts coming out they it was just a push cart that was it And, and then you had to buy the extra pieces to go onto that well now you know most of these things are kind of like you know it's kind of like a car with with more uh more accessories it just comes incredible yeah, they just come standard with them. So, you know, this one this year, they've got other spots you can put your your phone in. Mm-hmm. We're seeing ones, not this one in particular. We're seeing other ones looking at, you know, do we put a battery in there and a place for a USB uh, port? Um, you know, the Sun Mountain one here, it's got a spot where you can put your GPS rangefinder. It's it, There's just more and more that comes into here. Cigar holders, sand and seed uh, holders. Uh, it's just, it's insane where they've gone. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of wild because I do recall, I mean, when when uh, you and your and your partner, Jim, back in the day had the golf shop down in Kingston and I was working yep. there with you guys. Of course, that's you know, we've never really told the story to anybody of how we met and we're not going to get we, into we, right we now, might have to do a whole podcast. Yeah, there'd be a. Yeah, exactly. But we used to get like the, the, the two wheeled carts the, the, oh, yeah. before the three wheel, the two wheeled carts come in. And how many of those how many repairs? Like, oh boy. honestly, how many cars oh, yeah. back with broken, oh, the yeah. broken wheels? And my God, it was insane. Yeah. And now you look at them and like, I have, um, I have a Sun Mountain cart that I've been using for a number of years. 
yeah. but it has like rubber tires and right. metal spoked yeah. rim and yeah and a brake and you know i mean mine's pretty basic compared to some of the ones that are on the market now in particular the, this sun mountain cart we're going to talk about but yeah. it's pretty basic compared to that one and and it, it's not really that basic like it's it's incredible um, yeah. where these things have come and um and they're easy to push around easy to move some of them have rotating third wheels on them some of them yep. your cart your bag doesn't lean on as much it more stands straight up and down um it's just uh it's crazy so um why don't we why don't we talk about the cart that uh that we featured on flagstick.com because that's sort of what sparked this whole topic yeah. for this uh, episode is uh, is the 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 new sun mountain cart so why don't we talk yeah. about that yeah so as i mentioned speed cart uh has really been the you know the mainstay for sun mountain and you would have a speed cart but this is the v1r version of it you know comes in 10 colors folds down fairly easy i mean it's just again it's crazy it has optional accessories like cooler pouches covers seats cigar holders i mean uh, you know, seed and seed and mix a holder, uh, whatever that you want, you can have in these carts. And, you know, they basically have sort of evolved them to make them better and better, more streamlined, as you said, lighter, still stronger, trying to keep them as well so that they, you know, they don't wear out as much. And I mean, yeah. a lot of these companies worked hard over the years and we're not talking, as you said, about the, you know, 1950s vintage all steel <laughs> uh, bag boys that used to have. Those and, things last forever. Uh, <laughs> they did last forever, but I mean, I, uh, I, I, you know, and you brought it up and I really even forgot about it. I mean, people used to come in they're like, Hey, I, I got this cart and, you know, I got it in 1972 and can I get a wheel for it? And, you know, at that time, <laughs> golf trends, you know, golf trends is a distributor in Canada and, you know, they had all these parts and stuff for it. So yeah, I used to have a repair tags and stuff. Don't have to do that as much these days. And, you know, the V V one R um, just, a continual evolution of the speed cart more than anything. I guess the hardest part really is going to be, um, you know, getting them more than anything. <laughs> because so, eh? They're really sold out, sold out really, really fast. The other neat part about these carts now, especially the V1R, really easy. It's a two-step uh, open and close process really easy to flip it in and out of your car because you know again uh, it's hard enough when you get golf clubs in the back mm -hmm. of your vehicle um, but when you put a cart in there as well if you don't have storage at your golf course uh, you want it to have be very simple to get it open and closed and be able to you know kind of go right away and you know if you have to all of a sudden have a phd and in an instruction book uh, to get your cart open it's not going to be so well, much fun and so. unlike the predecessors from the 1950s yeah. and 60s they don't weigh a thousand pounds you can't no. get a small workout in by taking it out of the back <laughs> of your cart and doing the doing a curl, yeah, getting, yeah, getting yeah. your pump on while you're yeah. your cart in and out of your car so they are lightweight yeah. to you know as, even though they are a lot of them you know made out of out of uh, metal materials now mm -hmm. uh, and they're not you know they're lightweight aluminums and and lightweight yep. st steel they're light yeah you you're still, uh, I still with the Sun Mountain, I think you're still just under 18 pounds. Um, but if you think of some of those bag boy ones, they were, four, <laughs> they were 118 they were... pounds. Those, <laughs> well, I know like... my dad had one and I used it when I first started playing golf. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you yeah, had yeah, to yeah. unscrew the little thing and lower the handle oh, yeah. and you push yeah. it down and the wheels collapse. And, yeah. you know, the whole thing was made out of probably, uh, um, the same kind of pipe, uh, steel pipe that they, uh, they, you know, the galvanized steel pipe. Yeah. Like, the thing was so heavy. 
Yeah. So, and, and, you know, and other manufacturers have obviously, uh, you know, followed suit. Uh, as we mentioned, Bag Boy has continued to evolve. Click gear. Don't click gear, another one, yeah. uh, Big Macs. Uh, there's a number of manufacturers that are in this market and certainly have become quite popular uh, for good reasons. And, you know, it's endless as far as the features now. And the one good part about these two is that, you know, it, it's a product that you're not going to have to replace normally every single year. You know, you kind of buy one, you probably have it. I mean, how long have you had the one you have now uh, 10 years i mean right, I, I, exactly it's got to yeah. be 10 years yeah so you know the design uh, you know doesn't change that much you might want particular features or whatever but as it is right now a lot of the ones that you'd buy even though you know the cost is kind of getting up there as far as some of these carts yeah. you know in the 300 dollars neighborhood or whatever if you're going to have it for and use it for every single round you're going to have it for five to seven years let's say it's still pretty good value well and again it's like you can always get something less expensive and that's fine. Don't discourage anybody from spending less money if that's what's in the budget. Right. But, yep. but spending the money on something like this, mm-hmm. it, it's a long-term investment. It, you yep. want to buy it now. Uh, Sun Mountain is not expecting someone to buy one this year and buy another one next year and buy another one the year after that. and buy no. another one. They'd love it, I'm sure, if that happened. Yep. But it's it's something you buy and you have for maybe five mm-hmm. five years 10 years if you're me, yeah. uh, depending on how much you play. It's an investment in in a long-term mm-hmm. investment in your game. So I think one of the neat things now too is the uptake within junior golfers. Yeah. You know, you don't you see them see caring it. as much anymore, right? Eh? No, you don't. And I mean, I know for myself, um, you know, I like to carry. Uh, but uh, I'm also at a golf course where, you know, we have a fleet of carts that you can make use of. So mm-hmm. I haven't jumped to getting one of my own, although I probably should. Um, but I certainly push a lot more than carry because, you know, it's not great on the shoulders, not great no. on the back. No. Uh, and once you start to do it and, you know, juniors figure that out, especially if they're playing tournaments and they want to bring their snacks with them and all sorts of different things. Pretty hard just to load all that stuff up and put it in a golf bag and carry it when yep. you can obviously be pushing it and it's not going to put as much strain on your body. Hey, look at my 15 year old put pushes. like has a push cart. He's yep. been using one since he was probably 10. Um, yep. It's just, uh, I think it's just better. I mean, I'm yep. not, not saying don't carry your bag, but why no, would no. you, why, why, why would you, why would you, I know it's yeah. that you can walk, walk places easy. You can like grab your bag and walk across the green with your bag on to get to your next hole. It's like shortens the walking distance yeah. to some places, but save yeah. your back. Yeah. And in most, cart. Ca- in most cases, if you're going to have a push car, you probably have a bag that probably has more pockets and more stuff in it. Anyways, if you're going to yeah. carry, there's lots of lightweight options and, you know, we can look at that at another show and start talking sure. about some, even the, uh, you know, the bag that we have this year as part of our registration package uh, for the flagstick open, yes. you know, we have a very lightweight bag in there. So we can get in that in product watch in a, another show and Absolutely. talk to yeah, you cool about walking too. and, and some lightweight carries. Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay, so if you wanna if you wanna learn a little bit more about that uh, that push cart uh, from Sun Mountain, just go to flagstick.com. Um, yeah. It's right there under the product watch section. It's probably in one of the top three spots right now. Um, and then you can move yourself onto Sun Mountain's website from there if you want more details. But you can drop into flagstick.com to check out the uh, the basic information and some photos and whatnot. Um, okay, so Scott, uh, as always, we wanna we wanna help people with their golf game. Give them some little drills here and there, you know, some little tips, and uh, and that we have our our resident uh, uh, golf pro uh, Kevin Haim, um, former national teacher of the year uh, at Kevin Haim Golf School, that uh, 
that is uh, graciously doing these tips for us uh, all uh, season long on every episode. Um, and uh, we're into the third one. Um, so let's get on to the lesson T uh, with Kevin Haim Golf School. Uh, it's always the right time to play better, whether you need private lessons, a better short game, some putting help, or uh, heaven forbid you need new golf clubs and you need to get mm. those things custom fit for what you're spending yep. on golf clubs nowadays. Get them custom fit. Uh, you can visit kevinhame.com and remember that uh, better golf is a lot more fun. Now, this week, Kep Kevin has a downswing drill that is seems to be one of his favorites that, uh, that he wants to share with people. So let's get into the lesson to you and check that out. All right, golfers, time for another quick tip. And this is one of my favorites, a little drill that can help you with your sequence or your downswing, that little magic move to start your swing properly. If you swing back the club properly, you should be able to stop at the top look around, have a ham sandwich, and still release down through the golf ball properly. If you can't do that, then you know something's wrong. And it's really important to get this right because this is really your delivery position to get that golf club moving into that golf ball. So next time you're practicing, hit a few balls, swing up, stop, see if you can swing down properly. If you can't, get to a PGA Pro. If you can, work at it for timing. That's your quick tip for today. For more, check me out on Twitter at Kevin Haim or any social media platform. All right. Well, thanks again, Kevin, uh, and the Kevin Haim Golf School for uh, that's one of his favorite tips or favorite uh, drills to uh, yeah. teach people um, uh, to help them with their downswing. Scott, now as a as a PGA of Canada pro, I mean the downswing is a pretty important part. <laughs> you know, loading and unloading the golf club, yeah. but, uh, you know, what's sort of your take on that yourself? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, for certainly, I mean, the downswing usually in most golf swings takes a third of the time of the backswing. So, uh, you know, what Kevin's kind of referring to as far as, you know, he's referring to the sequence a lot here, as far as that downswing being, you're putting yourself in a position where, you know, you've got everything organized and you're ready to make that downswing. Um, and, uh, you know, his, his take here is, you know, a little bit of a pause in there and feel that you're kind of gathered up and ready to make that, that downswing. So, uh, certainly a lot of people, maybe, you know, from a pace perspective, they think they're going to gain a lot of speed by, swinging in you know half a second for the whole swing but i will tell you that in most golf swings are closer to about two seconds total uh and that the backswing takes a, a greater portion of that and a downswing being only you know a quarter to 0.3 of a second yeah you definitely have to get yourself a little bit uh, more organized for a proper sequence within your golf swing all right well you can check that out if you're listening uh, to the podcast you can go to flagstick.com and uh, or go to our YouTube channel and, and uh, check out the tip visually uh, on the YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something there that can help you out. So uh, thanks to Kevin and the Kevin Heem Golf School for that. Um, now, Scott, usually we try to talk, talk, talk about all of the regional golf topics and so on in the front yep. nine um, of the of the podcast. But we had so much to jam in there. We thought this one topic or this one item that we want to get to, we'd leave to the very end of the show because it relates more to um, flagstick and flagstick events. But yeah. um, obviously the popularity of the flagstick open is no surprise. We talked about it in the last episode that it's sold out. Yep. The waiting list is continuing to grow. Um, you know, and I'd like to say that we'll do our best to get everybody in, but honestly, I, it's out of my control. We have a field of yep. 120. We can't have more. We won't have less. And we have, um, but don't discourage from not getting your name on the waiting list because it's, it costs you nothing to put your name there and you right. might get in. There's always a chance. So 
uh, go to Flagstick, uh, the Flagstick Open or FlagstickOpen.com and uh, and register, at least get yourself on the waiting list. But we do have some good news. We do. Um, we decided at the beginning of this year, the end of last year, we decided that we wanted to add a second event. And we, we worked very closely with Brockle Country Club to come up with a concept and an idea for an event. And we, we did sort of launch the registration of it, but we knew that the timing of it was late uh, yeah. to try to really make it happen. Um, and and it, it showed in, you know, obviously our registrations for it were not what we wanted them to be. And we really don't like the idea of doing an event if it can't be, you know, at the level that we want it to be at. So we kind of pulled the plug on it last year and said, you know what, mm-hmm. let's go back to the drawing board on this. The concept of the event is, is fine. We all like that. We just need to tweak it a little bit and um and relaunch and 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 you know fortunately brockville country club was once again they're all they're all in they understood last year they're all in to do this again to launch it again this year and uh so we are going to be launching uh the flagstick two ball event flagstick two ball championship at brockville country club in uh september september 11th and 12th i believe are the days 10th 10th 11th um and uh it's a it's a two-person um uh a two-person best ball uh, event, and um, you know, let's let's get let's just get into something. We don't, yeah, all the details aren't out there yet. Most no. of them are, but we do know the format and the and, and of the event, and we decided to do something unique, uh, mm-hmm. right, Scott, with this as opposed to just a single-player stroke play event. Yeah, we had the BCC Open before uh, when we had a series of events, the BMG Cup Series, and uh, you know it was always a great venue. Everybody enjoyed playing the historic golf course at Brockville. Uh, you know, definitely test you around the green sometime. But you know we had some <laughs> great players over the years, including you know we mentioned Brooke Henderson. Yeah. She was the only female that ever played in that series, and you know she finished second in the event the one year. Uh, we just decided that you know st- stroke play is fun but not everybody wants to play a stroke play individual tournament. It's nice to especially have in the fall, especially in the fall. You know, they've gotten through the year. They want to have a little bit more fun. You want to have a little bit of backup. I know from playing in the pro pro, I enjoy that tournament more than any because, yeah. you know, you've got a partner to sort of there to, to, to kind of bail you out. We played in a number of member guest tournaments together and yeah. international pairs and all sorts of different things. It's fun. Um, yeah, it is fun. It's enjoyable. So we wanted to have something that was maybe a little bit more, social a little bit and not to say that it's not going to be competitive Um, but but the cool part is we had already had a beautiful trophy commissioned a stanley thompson trophy hang on a second okay hang on you got it keep talking i'm gonna all right i'll keep talking all right so you know we 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 commissioned this trophy uh for the tournament in honor of stanley thompson who was key to the design at the brockville country club and we had a local artist there you go. The Toronto terror himself. We had a local All artist. Right. We had a local artist commission it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's stunning. And uh, it is the Toronto terror as he was known. Stanley Thompson, obviously Canada's most renowned golf architect. And the Stanley Thompson trophy is now back into play after sitting for some time. And now we'll be part of the, uh, the festivities at the new two ball championship. So I think everybody's going to enjoy that. Yeah. It's solid. That's this is sure. not plastic. This is, <laughs> uh, no. like, this is no. beautiful, beautiful trophy. It's, it's nice that, you know, it's coming back into, uh, you know, into the fold and it's going to be, it's going to be given out and it's going to have names on it and going to be used. And we're really hoping that 
long term that uh, that this event, uh, you know, kicks kicks off well and is received well, and it just and it grows much like the flagstick open has. Um, yeah. You know, so it'll be a just to let people know. Yeah, it is. It is going to be a two round tournament. Uh, we'll have a lot of the same type of things that you would see at the Flagstick Open. Uh, you can expect the same sort of, you know, environment that's well organized. Yes. As far as the event. And, you know, as we said, the, the whole team, Jason Walmark and their whole team, uh, you know, Adam Miller, um, you know, all their team there at, at uh, Brockville Country Club is eager and excited to to host this championship yeah. uh, as a way to sort of, you know, get towards the end of the year. Um, so a good way as well, if people are looking at, uh, maybe playing in some of the fall scrambles and stuff like that, yeah. they can sort of, they can get together with uh, maybe one of their buddies or, you know, that they were planning to play with and, and have a, you know, a competitive environment before that season sort of begins and, uh, but not put as much pressure on you as a, as a solo tournament. Would. And that was the thing I think we talked about when we were looking at the format of different events and, and we want to get more into you know, and, and we're still looking at, we, we are still looking at potentially another mm-hmm. uh, event yep. in the summer. Um, but it is really difficult to get golf courses yeah, to, you know, uh, to host They're they're full yep. and there just isn't the availability. So, you know, we're very, very thankful that the uh, Brockville country club, um, you know, was, uh, was excited and happy to, to jump on board with us and do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we'll see what happens, you know, throughout the summer, if we're able to get another event going this year, if it's something that we look for 2023, but um, we did not want to do just another fall scramble because we did no. look at the idea of doing that, but there's just so many yep. of them out there and every, everybody's got a fall scramble. Uh, we wanted some uniqueness, uh, some, uh, something that was competitive, but a little bit more, a little bit more fun and, mm-hmm. uh, and different. And that's why the, you know, the Stableford style, um, and being a two ball event, it's just a, you know, it, it really is a pressure free, competitive, fun uh, mm-hmm. event. Um, there's no doubt that the level of competition will likely be very good. Uh, there will oh, yeah. be some good teams in it. There's no question about that. And the prizing is going to be phenomenal, um, as it always is for, for events that we put on registration package will be pretty darn good too uh which is kind of you know somewhat becomes synonymous with events that we put on um so uh, look for that registration to open very soon we're just ironing out a couple more little details uh that we want to have nailed down before we open it up uh but i suspect it will be opened up not long after the the golf season really gets ramped up uh probably in in may uh maybe if not uh if not before so uh look for that um, at flagstick.com plus there will be a website i think flagstick two ball.com uh, is uh, is going to be the url for the website but we haven't launched that part of it yet either so uh, that's our little flagstick tidbit so check that mm-hmm. out um, man I, you know the time passes scott when we uh, you know it we does. get gab and it's funny because you know monday morning we is it's it's interesting that we do record this podcast i know it's released on wednesdays but we record it on monday but monday morning I'm usually jumping in my car and going somewhere and I get on the phone with you shortly after nine o'clock and we just out it comes. So this basically, this basically, sorry, everyone, this is our phone call. This is it. This is the Monday morning (laughs) phone call. And we just have to sprinkle in some, some Kevin Haim golf instruction in there and, and, uh, you know, the, the occasional interview and yeah. you know, maybe an interview. And this, this week, you noticed that there was no interview this week. Um, just we had lots of stuff to talk about and yeah we did 
you know, we don't always have to have a guest on to, to, uh, to have some discussion points. We, we can certainly talk enough ourselves. So, um, <laughs> good or good or bad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, um, man, I'm sorry to see the end of the show, but, uh, we'll have another one next week. Uh, yeah, we should, uh, uh, make sure that we thank our sponsors, Metcalf Golf Club, Greensburg Golf and Country Club, Kevin Haim Golf School, of course, uh, our presenting sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Check out the new stealth line of golf equipment at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. And welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. Well, I'm, I really hope that everybody enjoyed listening uh, or watching us uh, this uh, this episode this week. Be sure to follow us across the social media network, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Subscribe to us on Spotify and Audible. And now, this just yes. in, now on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. It is up. It is there. So you can check it out is. all those Apple people that want it on Apple Podcasts. It's there. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, like us and click the notification bell to make sure that you never, ever miss an episode of this podcast. Get yourself over to flagstick.com for even more great golf content delivered every single day. We're done for another week. I am Jeff Botter. And I'm Scott McLeod. Remember, always go for the stick.